Welcome to The Whole Truth, where two wholesalers help financial professionals build great practices and thrive in a rapidly changing industry. We'll bring you the stories and voices from those on the front lines of this change, and we'll have some fun along the way. This is more than a podcast. We're building a community of financial professionals who are growing, forward-thinking, and want to get better. Thanks for listening and contributing to the discussion. The views expressed herein are those of the participants and not those of Touchstone Investments. And welcome, everybody, to The Whole Truth from the Bay Area, California. I am Steve Side. And from the city of the World Series champion, Atlanta Braves, wow. I am Kurt Dupuis. That is nice. Congratulations, buddy. And you got the hat on and everything? I got a rep, man. Awesome. I'll put, Congr- it, put in the work for those late, late nights, cheering against the asterisks. That's great stuff, man. Congratulations. Congratulations to the whole city of Atlanta. 26 years. We broke the curse. We got a couple things to do on this episode. The the main crux of the episode is going to be reflecting back on the year that was 2021. And and man, we did a lot. (laughs) When we went back and looked at these episodes, a lot of great guests, a lot of great conversations. And what Kurt and I challenged each other to do is come up with our top three or four takeaways. And that's what we're going to spend uh, time doing. I took a gamble here. I, I took a gamble presupposing what I thought you were going to pick and went a different direction. I hope that works out and we don't have a ton of overlap. We we just came in just like not talking to each other about what we we're going to talk about at all. Because we don't know. We're really excited to share this with you today. It's going to be a good idea, heavy episode. Yeah. Before we get into that, though, our intro segment where we're going to start is we, we have a segment called What We're Obsessed About This Week. And Something hit my email inbox not too long ago. You guys have probably seen some something like this before, but it quantifies the value that an advisor brings. So the first comment, let me make up front, is there's absolutely no question that people benefit from working with a financial professional. 100%. You heard Crosby talk about it. Behavioral alpha alone, I think he said, is you know 1% to 4%, just keeping people in- invested. So now we get to give you the full picture. This is a study by Russell. This is for a particular year, which was 2020, which, listen, there was opportunities in 2020 for advisors to add a lot of value. But all that said, this was pretty cool. So in 2020, the total value of an advisor was 4.81% net of fees, which is pretty amazing. Does that surprise you, Kurt? What baffles me is that, like I don't hear this in like everybody's value proposition. I'm always baffled by these numbers and and putting this level of granularity on it, I've never seen. So shout out to Russell. Here's what I'm gonna do. There's five things that they broke down of where financial advisors added value. I'm going to give you the top one and the bottom one, and then I'm gonna have Kurt sort of guess what he thinks the other ones were. The first one, Daniel Crosby was exactly right, was behavioral mistakes individual investors typically make. That was 2.17 of the 4.81. That's almost half right there. The bottom one was cost of basic investment management. That was 0.29%. So then we have three things left. And Kurt, I'll, I'll have you guess what was the most and the least. One of them was the annual rebalancing of investment portfolios. One was planning costs and ancillary services. And the last one was tax planning and investing. What do you think was the top out of that? Oh, that's tough. Hard, It's right? either going to be rebal- rebalancing or planning services. With the volatility that we saw in 2020, I'm going to go with taxes. 
You're right. I thought it was going to be either taxes or like the, the planning functions. You got it exactly. So right. I'm so, going with taxes. So taxes is 1.31%. The planning bucket was 0.72. And then the annual rebalancing was 0.32. So to sum up, I know there's a lot of categories. You got tax. A lot of numbers. Planning. You got cost of investment management. You got behavioral mistakes. And then the annual rebalancing of investment portfolios. Those five things added up to almost 5% net of fees. Yeah. So so if we're not communicating that between behavioral mistakes and tax planning strategies, we're not going to like w- you know more than pay for our fee. What are we doing here? I, I also like that rebalancing was like one of the least effective things because that's important. But I feel like that that's not very systematized. There's there's not a lot of agreement in the industry. Like, is that a once a year? Is that every other year? Is it once a quarter? There's not a lot of agreement there. So I think just directionally know that, yeah, like we, we rebalance at some interval and we're going to be accretive if we just rebalance. That's, that's all we really needed to know there. But 32 basis points there or whatever it was, not a, not a Herculean number. I just like the fact that you can challenge clients like if or prospects if they come in, they're like, I don't know if you're worth it. Well, let me tell you exactly what what a financial advisor did last year. And let me tell you what I do that's even above and beyond. There's a great challenger sale there. Well, this is what the average investor does. You're probably not the average investor. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. So you guys are all worth it. So uh, that's what we're obsessed about this week. We're going to come back with our roundup of 2021. This is the whole truth. Stick with us. All right. Welcome back, everybody. So as I talked about in the intro, we wanted to come with our top few ideas. Kurt, how do you want to proceed here? Okay. So I, I've i got a range. Like Some of these are, are very short. And one of these in particular, I could probably do the whole show just recapping that because I thought it was so great. And because I might have shiny object syndrome. I got just laser focused on this one topic. So I'm going to, I'm going to start with like my least dense favorite idea okay. and then move towards my most dense favorite idea. Okay. How about that? Okay. I love that. Okay. So my least dense idea was a conversation we had with James Pollard about email marketing. This is applicable to me because I have ramped up my own email marketing efforts because of this conversation, which is the takeaway for for anybody and everybody out there. Do you remember what he said, ROI for email marketing campaigns? You have any idea what that is? No. What was that number? 36X. That means consultants that track this, $1 spent in marketing should gross you $36 in additional revenue. Oh, interesting. Which yeah, is- that- Pretty bonkers. So I also think of, so let's, if, if you do like an event with, you do a client appreciation event, and let's, let's say that costs five, five grand to get a 36 X ROI on that. You'd have to increase revenue by 180 grand. Yeah. And that's probably not happening. So I just, I like, I also like the process of this. So writing copy that's witty and applicable. So I, I really integrated this into some of my own processes. And and so I don't know if I've seen 36X ROI, but it's, it's something that I took away this year that I'm now doing differently now because of that conversation, which I think is the point of our chat today. Yeah, I, I, I was debating. I did not have Pollard in my top five, but I loved our conversation with him. And a big takeaway for me, email can still be very, very effective. And mm-hmm. I think the the thought now is like, oh, you know, email doesn't work, but 
that's my preferred method of communication. And it's clearly the advisors and probably- How many times have you said like when people call you like, like professionals that uh, you actually have relationships, like don't call me, email call me. me. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> the answer is, for me personally, the answer is don't call for you, me. You love the email. There's like three people in my life that I prefer that call me. You're one of them, Kurt. I love your calls. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll lead. I'll lead with my- my most straightforward one, as he always does, I thought Brian Doherty, our social security expert, came in and knocked the cover on the ball, particularly around, you know, the benefits of waiting, the cola. I, I won't get into all of it here, but the reason that I put that in my top five is because of our entire audience of financial professionals. I can't think that there would be one that wouldn't have taken a lot away from that episode that they can directly use from clients. Does that make sense? Uh, agree. And then people people tend to like to to crap on the restricted application thing be, because that that pool is getting shallower and shallower. But that's such a small part of what his tool, his calculator, helps people figure out. If you're not running like a third party assessment on social security options, and what what are you doing? Even though it's compelling to delay, he, he doesn't tell everybody, like, just delay. You don't need an expert yeah. if that's your only message. You have various strategies to think about. I just thought he did such a great job. That made my top five. So was he well, on so yours? So far, so good. No, I didn't have him on my list. Okay, okay, I, good. I, I flirted with him, but I didn't put him on the list. And it was between him and, and James for me. So, okay, we covered both. So that's good. Okay, well, we might be getting into some overlap now, but... No, I was just going to ask, you're going to save your most dense or your number one for the top, like your absolute favorite? I'm saying least to most dense. Least to most dense. Okay. I may, I may save my favorite guest for number one, if that's okay, which was a hard thing. Do it however you want to do it. Okay. Go ahead. What's your number two on dense? So my next two are both by, from the same conversation and both a similar level of density, but I'm just going to give you one right now. And it was a conversation with Penny, Penny Phillips, who who was awesome. I mean, definitely one of the top interviews of the year. And I've enjoyed hearing her on so many other podcasts because every everything she posts on LinkedIn now, I'm, I'm going and following it. She does like this Wednesday practice management with Penny thing on YouTube. I watch every single one of those. She's just fantastic. But she introduced, and it, this is not going to be dense because I don't know a lot about it. It just intrigues me. The idea of psychographics. I've heard a lot of people in our business talk about demographics, which are just, you know, like your numbers on a page. How old are you? Like what's your socioeconomic level, your education level? That makes sense when you're, especially when you're building a marketing plan. But she really dove into this idea and it's almost a challenge probably for, for next year is to think through psychographics, which is, it's like literally like putting yourself in the skin of your target market when they wake up. What are like, what type of coffee do they drink? What are the first things that they're thinking about? Do they go to the gym in the morning? Do they go to the gym in the afternoon? Do they not go to the gym at all? What are, what are their patterns and behaviors and psychology behind them? I think if we could tap into that, I mean, we, I think we would be a lot more successful as, as wholesalers, but I think if, if our clients, if financial professionals did that for their clients and for their target market, their niche, you would obviously be able to market to them better. So clearly we had overlap here because we were going to both have Penny on. I, I, I can honestly say 
that we loved every guest that we had on here this year. But I think Penny's my favorite. I think that conversation sticks out to me. Just the back and forth, the inter- just the stuff you were talking about. So congratulations, Penny, if you wanted to be our guest of the year. I think I think you just earned it. We'll have to send her like- Can we, call it the, can, can we do like the truthies? The tr- <laughs> like, like yeah, the, 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 we should do an award <laughs> for next year, yeah. Yeah, we could come up with funny award names. Yeah, totally agree. The other thing like that Penny did when she was talking about- like managing team members of different generations and how to think about that. Oh, that that was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Teams are changing generationally, right? We're at a transition phase. And so if you're not thinking about how to work with those Gen Zs, how to work with millennials, how work is going to change, you know, you're probably going to fall behind and nothing more important than talent, right? So maybe I'll just leave it there. But I thought, go back and listen to that episode if you want to dig into that. Okay, I'll throw another one out there. My next one's from Dax Stadjor. When we were talking to Dax, we were about to, or so we thought, reopen the economy. Like COVID was close to done, right? And we all felt like, okay, we got through that. Let's go back to the office or let's start normalizing. And Dax's like, well, hold on. First of all, even if you go back to the office, you're probably not going back to the office full time. Right. And- we're probably not necessarily done with this. And that turned out to be correct. It was dragged a lot longer. So his main point was like, get your game, your your ability to communicate, com- communicate with clients, get that locked in. What is the message that you're able to deliver over, over Zoom and really upping your game and reflecting on that after a year of sitting at home? To me, that resonated. Like I changed the way my office looked after talking to him. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and, and I think one of the, the points was work from home is not going away. So like, make sure your, your hardware, like your equipment is on par at home, like it is in the office, because this hybrid world is going to be a thing. I, I saw, actually saw this week, there was an interview, I think Bill Maher had with Kevin O'Leary, like the, yes, the famous I saw shark tank guy. And he's, and he, he surveyed their clients and he said, even some of their suppliers. So the sample size was like 10,000 people. And they thought about 15% would not want to come back. They would want to stay remote. And the number was over 50%. And he and he even described some key personnel that he still wants to work with the company, but they want to go work on a farm or, or live on a farm that they grew up on, but keep working for him. And it's like, I've got to figure out ways to accommodate that. It's like, I, that's not what I would have picked, but that's what he wants. And he's great. And I want to keep him. So I've got to accommodate that. So I, we're going to be talking about that years to come, I think. 100%. Okay. Next one for you. Okay, so my next one's also with Penny, and it was the idea of relentless prospecting. So you being your own billboard and with clients, with COIs, with people at the grocery store that you meet, you know, it's 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 ABC, like always be closing, always be like promoting yourself. What we only briefly talked about though, which and, and I think it's a precursor to getting to that point, is doing the work of really figuring out where your value is and then being able to communicate it in a succinct way. But she just described this, you know, this idea of relentless prospecting that you've got to be comfortable saying the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over again. It's a message I constantly had to tell myself because I just think if I say something once, people remember, even though I know I'm not that, <laughs> that kind of person. So just really having like an airtight value proposition that, that, that succinctly describes what you do, but that has that emotional impact to connect with people and then just put that record on repeat. Heck yeah. Relentless prospect. I mean, even just, just saying that. It's a great word, huh? Yeah. It's empowering. 
I think you gritted your teeth when you said that. I might have. It's 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 a problem. One other point I'd have to make is Elise Archer, that episode has not come out. I think that has the potential to be a top fiver. I, we're not there yet. Oh, for sure. I'm going to throw my last one out there, and then I'm going to make two comments towards the end on some other things this year. My last one was Julie Littlechild. Same. The referrals conversation that I've heard this industry have since I've been in it has been, hey, we should script this better, right? It's bass backwards. If you say it better, you'll get more referrals. And that never felt right to me because I've been in situations where like people are pushy about referrals, but I give referrals when people give me good service. And that's kind of what Kurt and I have always talked about on this is like service the heck out of your clients and you'll get the referrals. But what she talked about reducing referral friction and the things that you can do, I'm like, boom. So go back and listen to that episode if you haven't heard it. So that was my last one also. Yeah. <laughs> and good. I have like a page of notes on that. So let's 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 get more dense. Go ahead. Um, on, on this. So I attended one of her webinars that talked about the myths of referrals. And the main myth that I see is that pe- that clients aren't referring. And 42% of them said in the last 12 months, they have referred their ad- advisor to someone else. And that is completely opposed to what financial professionals say, which is 5%. So what we're describing here is that referral gap. 42% of the time, clients are are referring 5% of the time we're seeing those referrals. So she makes the point is like, we don't need more referrals. We do need to do a better job at capturing referrals. So how do we do that? She talks about articulating value and not just saying, Hey, my, my advisor is a great guy. You need to tell your clients what that process is going to look like, right? I'm going to reach out to him one time by phone, one time by email. After that, I'm done. If you are gracious enough to send me a referral, I'm not going to continue to badger this person. That's not our process. So articulating that process, she describes that like we, I don't need to rehash the the whole episode, but it's just so good. It's also asking a lot of clients, right? So they have to love you enough to refer. Then they have to themselves recognize an opportunity to refer you, then be able to articulate your value to them And then it's just asking a lot for folks. So ways to reduce that friction are like a specific landing page on your website where you can send people. She talks about trigger language. So it's not like, hey, I'm retiring. I need a financial professional. It's like, no, my kids are making bad money decisions or I'm dealing with the health of, of an elderly parent or my own health. Like it doesn't have to be just, hey, I'm retiring. I need to, I need someone to help me with money. So understanding where those points in life where referrals are needed and attaching stories for what you're already doing for clients and then making it easy by just sending to like, Hey, if you ever want to refer us, send them to this website. This is the only place you need to send them. It's the only thing you need to know. Yeah. Let me make two comments on that one. I think that landing page, don't breeze over that because that's a really big deal. And in fact, I had a client of mine, Jeff, um, reach out to me and like, Hey, that's a great idea to have a whole referral page where someone's just got to share a link. Like, I don't know if you can get away with that, whatever firm you are, but if you can, like, look into that. That's that's brilliant. And I and I do love the idea, to your point, about having the stories. And by the way, Kurt, you and I should be doing that, too, when we go in to see people. When we're yeah. going to see a branch manager, hey, here's some stories of businesses that we've worked on and helped. This is specifically what we've done. So I'm not surprised she was on both of our lists. I thought that was so practical. Yeah. So we also started 
this year talking about like, this is going to be the year of growth, right? Yeah. What, like marketing ideas, how are people going to grow? And it just strikes me as closing this gap and being more thoughtful about about how we interact with clients. Yeah, it was a heck of a year. So can I reflect on a couple other things from the year that I think I really want to say? So, so, and the first of those being, you know, thank you to the audience who listens to us. You know, this was, what, what did we launch this? What, what a- episode are we up to now, Kurt? 30, 35-ish? 35, 34? so we're cranking these out and we're doing it because we get energized it, but also because there's people that are listening. So thank you guys. And I want to reflect on a couple of things because those top five ideas, we're leaving a lot of stuff out there and I don't want anybody to take offense. Each episode had something terrific. There were a few guests I had on this year that just were special for me to have on the show. Jared Morris, who who came on, he's been on twice. I listen to his podcast all the time. Just to have him take the time to come on our show is big. My professor, again, again my professor, Dr. Wayne Winston from that came on and just had like this awesome conversation with us. You know, those two are just really special to me. I'm sure having, for example, Robbie coming on was special for you. Like that was an amazing conversation. So there was a few that stuck out as being kind of special, you know? Absolutely. Well, and, and what we're also dealing with is, you know, there there's stuff that's kind of squarely in the practice management realm. And then yeah. there's this like insulary stuff. So like the, the Dr. Wayne Winston, that was like not squarely on practice management, but there are some takeaways. Same oh, with Robbie. Amazing. Like that's, yeah. that, you know, he is not a financial professional, but he's a great team culture builder, right? And and so to the extent that that's important to you, that is a banger episode. But, you know, it's, it's not everybody's cup of tea. So here's a question for you. My last thing I want to comment. Internal partners that were on the show that came from our organization, there were a bunch of them this year. And I want to thank those people. Do you know how many we had? Should I give you multiple choice? Or you want to just guess a number? It's at least three. No, four. No. Six. I'm going with it's six. six. You got six. Yes. Right. Yeah. I hope I'm not missing anybody on this. Oh, we probably are. <laughs> yeah. And if we if we are, just sorry in advance. We'll, we'll buy you a drink. I'm sorry about that. But Ben Algie was back on. He was killer as always. Tom Singler, John O'Neill, Mary Mocker, head of sales, second time for her. But how about this? Two other people that aren't even in the Touchstone organization that are broadly from Western Southern Financial Group, Bill Deal, James Schleicher. That's awesome. You look like I'm missing oh, yeah, somebody. Yeah. No, I was thought, did, did we have internals on? I think that was the year before. Well, I got, I got to the right number, just wrong people. But that's pretty cool. Like how many of our internal folks are coming on and providing value yeah. and engaging with the show? Hopefully we could do more of that. So the truthy um, family. I'm just sitting here feeling gratitude, Kurt. I, th- I think I'm really proud of what we put together this year. I am too, man. And excited for just to get back to it again next year. Yeah, we got big plans for next year. We got guests lined up, new certifications, new coaching tools. Uh huh. It was funny when Jared was on, he was like, you got to get through a certain number of episodes to hit your stride. And if you're still energized, you're still good to go. I feel pretty energized about what we have upcoming. So same, same. Cool. All right. Well, thanks everybody for an absolutely terrific 2021. We're going to come back with our Costanza Corner. This is the whole truth. Stick with us. And welcome back to the Costanza Corner, where we like to end the show on a high note. Steve, what you got for us, bud? Uh, a couple things today. First of Ooh, all, I want to, yeah, I'm happy to report for my Northern California people that we finally got some rain after probably the 
the biggest drought in a really, really long time. We we got this huge rainstorm and I was just like dancing in the rain when it came through. That's how happy I was. <laughs> Were you really? Oh my you God. You and your daughter are just hanging out out there. Huh? We're just like, I, you know, it's, it's probably the first legit time that she's seen rain and been conscious of it. Like, I know you guys get plenty of water in the know, east. It's so wild to think about. In the west, man, you just like, we're like, we get, if we don't get it enough in the winter, like there is no rain for the rest of the year. And this year was just brutal. So, you know, you could just see it in the landscape and you see reservoirs going lower and you start conserving water. And it really is kind of crazy out here. But then all of a sudden we just got like an early storm this year and oh, I feel so much better about life. So your climate is pretty steady throughout the year, but it seems like you're, it's always either like torrential rains or a desert or a firestorm. Like what one of those three things is happening at, at all times. <laughs> yeah. California is amazing, but it it, it is like it, there definitely are, you know, the elements out of here, so to speak. But yeah, it rains in in the in the winter, as I just said, between usually November and March. And if we don't and then after that it just stops. If you don't get enough and you've got warming climate, that's why we're starting to get like the fires, because not enough water, heating climate, too dry. And so, yeah, that's the other thing, by the way, about the uh, the rain is that it actually put out what was left of fire season. Yes, there is a fire season out here. I would like to say that doesn't happen every year, but evidence would suggest otherwise. All right. What else you got? Here's a good one. There was a survey about volunteering. And basically, you know, people volunteer to be selfless. That's the whole point. But we all know that it is kind of selfish in itself because- Ultimately, it makes you feel really good. It's the feeling you get. That's it. And so essentially, there was this massive survey was done with thousands of people and over half of response said that helping someone with a task, donating, et cetera, et cetera, made their, their day better. The survey found that good deeds are reward because of hidden mental and physical health benefits causing the people who perform them to feel happy, 92%, relaxed, 77%, and healthy, 71%. So I, I absolutely can attest to this that, you know, just the best I ever feel is that when I give back and yeah, this study backs it up. So volunteering is healthy. You don't, you can skip the gym, just go volunteer. Just go volunteer. Absolutely. Thanks everybody. We'll see you next time. You can find The Whole Truth and subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. We'd love it if you took the time to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. It helps others find the show. And for more episodes of The Whole Truth, go to www.touchstoneinvestments.com slash the whole truth. That's touchstoneinvestments.com slash the whole truth. All one word. Please note that this content was created as of the specific date indicated and reflects views as of that date. It will be kept solely for historical purposes and opinions may change without notice in reacting to shifting economic, market, business, and other conditions. Touchstone funds are distributed by Touchstone Securities Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer and member FINRA and SIPC. 